0: bless your name welcome to the centerpoint vineyard podcast we're a church on sydney's northern beaches seeing lives transformed by jesus we hope you enjoy this message Great. Hello everyone. Uh, It's wonderful to be back with you. As Tanya said, we've been away for a little while, so um, I think we met everyone in the room now, but um, yeah, it's just so nice to be back in SID. today starts our series on advent um, and has anyone put up their christmas decorations yet is anyone yes strong wow <laughs> great job it's like what are we the third of december beautiful um, well yeah as we begin this series on advent um, we're obviously getting ready for christmas which is coming and all of us will be very familiar with what the lead up to christmas looks like in our world so um, you know it means making sure we get through our list of gift shopping um, it means trying to close off all those work projects before everyone goes on leave, and um, you know, getting all those Christmas drinks in the diary, taking trees from the outside, bringing those inside, taking a bunch of lights from the inside, putting them on the outside, <laughs> and all uh, you know, a whole range of other essential activities. Um, but for centuries, the church around the globe has been marking this time of Advent as something much deeper and richer than what our um, what you know our world tells us Christmas is all about. And Advent is a um, a Latin word originally, adventus, which means coming. And that also comes from a a Greek word that means that sense of coming. And so Advent is a a season where we're waiting for something that's coming. And it's the preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. Through Advent and Christmas, we are reminded that God came and made his dwelling among us in the person of Jesus. We call him Emmanuel, God with us. Um, but Advent isn't actually just about remembering Christmas as the time when Jesus came to be with us you know through the the nativity scene and all that came um, after it it's actually largely a season of preparation thinking about Jesus who's going to be returning the the second coming of Jesus when he returns and makes all things new and right again so this is a season for all of us of expectation and waiting and hope and um, I want to kind of put to us today that Advent is a journey so as Tanya mentioned Kirk and I have been on a big journey the last few months we've been traveling around this way and that but a big part of it was the Camino walk that we did and so um, just to show you each day for like five weeks we started at the blue dot on the right and then we followed the blue dots to the one on the left and so we started in the Pyrenees on the French-Spanish border and then made our way across to Santiago de Compostela where um, the walk completed. And we covered about 800 kilometers across that time. Um, And it was an experience that was hard to put into words. Here's a little photo deck um, to give you a sense of what some of the landscapes looked like, but it doesn't really summarize all that it was, the people that we met, um, the experiences we had along the way. Um, And I don't know if anyone here has been on a big journey like that, maybe physically you've been on a walking holiday or a big road trip or something like that. But when we look at the story of Mary, Jesus' mother, she had to go on some big journeys as she prepared for the coming of Jesus in her life. So in Luke 1, verses 26 to 33 and onwards, it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then in verse 39 it says, In those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, and she was also expecting um, the birth of John the Baptist. And so Mary's first journey is to this hill country of Judea where Elizabeth was and she stayed there for about three months before heading back. Now that would have been about 140 kilometres each way that Mary travelled to go and spend that time with Elizabeth. And I don't know if she was walking, maybe had a donkey, whatever it looks like, but that's quite a way to journey um, in those early stages of her pregnancy. And then in Luke 2 verse one to five it says in those days a decree went out from caesar augustus that all the world should be registered all went to their own towns to be registered joseph also went from the town of nazareth in galilee to judea to the city of david called bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of david he went to be registered with mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child so basically the um the emperor said everyone, you've got to go back to your ancestral home. So not just their hometown, but like the, the, to- the, the town of their ancestors to be registered in this mandatory census, census. And so Mary's there heavily pregnant. And again, she has to make a big journey. This one would have been about 130 kilometers. And so, for Mary, throughout her pregnancy, she's going on these these long journeys. And these journeys and this time of waiting would have been a key preparation time for her as she's awaiting the arrival of Jesus, as she's seeing the fulfillment of what Gabriel has told her. And, you know, for Mary, as a young Jewish woman, she would have had a big awareness in her life of. The waiting that the hebrew people had been on since you know since the days of um the beginning of the old testament so throughout the old testament we see this longing of god's people for god to intervene in their situations they're crying out to the lord asking for him to redeem them to help them and to bring them freedom and throughout advent and christmas we're reminded that god came and fulfilled those hopes he actually provided for their needs we see you know all these stories in the old testament of how he did that in those situations and then we see that fulfilled in the person of jesus and you know as sam was sharing this morning sometimes the longings that we have and the hopes that we have are fulfilled in a way that looks different to what we we expect so we expect god to come about in one way in a situation And the way that he reveals himself is something quite different. So it's not this big, glorious entry into the world with fanfare and trumpets. It's something really humble and vulnerable and quite hidden for most people. So Advent isn't just about this story of God who has already come to us in this person of Jesus. In a large part, Advent is about God who is coming to us when Jesus Christ returns. So Advent is this season of preparation for us, the season of waiting and expectation. It's about the now and the not yet. It's about the already Jesus has come, but it's the waiting for him to come again and make all things new. So we're on this journey through Advent. Where are we going? Um, back to our Camino walk. We um, got really skilled early on at spotting arrows on our walk. Here are a couple of um, my favorites. I love the sunflower one. Someone took a lot of initiative there. And um, all along the path, we were looking out for these yellow arrows to assure us that we were in fact walking to Santiago and hadn't like somehow, you we're know, walking back to France or, I don't know, Portugal or somewhere. And they really reassured us we were on the right path. And so, um, if I've got some more arrows, if anyone's interested, there are some more lovely arrows. And so the question that um, we want to kind of explore this Advent is where are we going? What arrows are we following and where do they lead us? And I think so much of the general Christmas culture that we kind of depicted earlier on is leading us on those arrows to um, a place of supposed comfort, finding home, finding a sense of joy, having things in a sense of order and um, pattern. And I mean, when you think about the things that we do every Christmas, everything is trying to get us to that place. So we like we sing the same songs every year, year on year. They never get old. We cook the exact same meal every single year. We have the same people over to our house. So we go to the same house. We give gifts to the same group of people. And we're told it's the most wonderful time of the year. But at the same time as that, I mean, I don't know if anyone relates, we can feel really stressed out and burdened, particularly in this year, you know, we've got this cost of living crisis, we've got all this ongoing violence and hostility in different regions of the world, needless loss of life kind of confronting us whenever we open the news and we are hearing increasing alarming figures about you know, the state of the environment and the state of, um, of the world in general. And then we're dealing with all our own stuff, right? Like the bereavements, missing friends, feeling lost, feeling stressed out. And this dominant culture of Christmas that says it's the most wonderful time of the year, hang up the tinsel, like we're good, it really blocks its ears to the loud realities of the world that we're living in, where everything seems to be a little bit broken, things keep breaking down, and um, it isn't always light and cheer. But the good news is, the advent that the church calls us into and that we can experience (coughs) tells us we don't just have to like stick some tinsel on it and call the mess Christmas, we can actually approach it in a different way. But first, to get to that point, Advent begins in the dark. So all through scriptures, we read accounts of people grappling with the darkness of the world and also the darkness within themselves. So Isaiah depicts the pain of God's apparent absence in Isaiah 64, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. And then in Psalm 10, we see from David, how long, O Lord, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? What I love about these scriptures, and you could pick a million other references, is that the Bible isn't like backwards and coming forwards about the struggles that we have in life, about the darkness that can feel like it encroaches. And, you know, it it doesn't back away from questions like what do we do with unanswered prayer? What do we do when we're expecting God to deliver in one way and he just doesn't come through in the way we, we need him to? What happens when suffering enters our lives in a way that really doesn't make sense to us? You know, it requires a lot of courage, I think, to face the reality of darkness, especially when we're afraid that maybe we'll see some of ourselves in that darkness. And, um, you know, it's something that I probably would say, I, I like to go on Pinterest and distract myself with like, you know, beautiful house ideas or things like that, instead of actually dealing with these courageous questions of, you know, what's what's in the dark inside ourselves. Um, Isaiah says that even like the best Parts of ourselves can sometimes be distorted, where he says all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. And so the true and hopeful Christmas spirit hasn't looked away from this reality of death and darkness that we can experience in this world. It looks straight at them. And even in ourselves, you know, we recognize we have been in sin for a long time, as Isaiah says again in Isaiah 64. So Advent, it's an invitation for us to courageously take stock of the darkness without and the darkness within but we know that sin and death is not the last word so it does get better from here i know this is a very you know upbeat christmassy message for us all um, but as we anticipate christmas and the joy and the, the peace that we're going to be hearing about and singing about um, you know we can actually look at these things around us and face the reality of the world as it is and know that there's actually hope to come so advent begins in the dark but it moves towards the light isn't that a good thing? Um, on the Camino, um, which all my stories will come from for about the next 10 years, so buckle <laughs> up, um, we met people from all different walks of life and one of the lovely people we met was on about day two or three at a hostel we were staying in, we met this lovely French woman who is very like sweet and soft-spoken and just a real like lovely presence. And so we walked with her for a little while the next day and then we ended up having a bit of an injury situation and had to camp out in Pamplona for a few days. And so basically that was it for our interaction with her. She was journeying on the path, you know, all the best, goodbye. And so we were really surprised when a couple of weeks later, we were having breakfast one morning and along the path walks this this woman that we'd met and we're like, whoa, what are you doing here? You should be way ahead of us by now. And she looked really dejected, like really kind of down and different from how we'd how we'd um, seen her when we first met her. And so we said, like, Marie, what's up? What's going on? And basically, she shared that she'd had quite a serious knee injury and she wasn't able to walk and she was hobbling and like really didn't know what to do next. And so she was just sharing a bit about that. We were chatting for a while and then Kirk bravely said, oh, would you mind if we prayed for you? You know, we're Christians and we'd love to pray that God can heal your knee. And um, in the joys of like inter language um, communication, she didn't quite catch what we were saying. And so the moment kind of passed and we kept chatting for a while. And then Kirk brought out the Google Translate app and went again, could we pray for your knee? And at that she was like, oh yes, yes, please, please pray and so we prayed for her knee and after that she just started bawling and then began to unpack about what was really troubling her which was quite an intense difficult family situation that she just didn't really know what to do with and it was such a like a powerful moment for us to see how like prayer really unlocked something for this for this lady anyway so we spoke spoke a little bit more she went on her way to get some treatment from a doctor and We carried on, but exchanged details. And the next day or the day after, we messaged us to see how she was going. And she said, um, just shared this really beautiful message of like, thank you so much for praying. And my knee is a lot better. I've been able to start walking again. And all all of this, I have joy in my heart. And we were just like so encouraged. We were like jumping up and down on the path, just like, yeah, good, amazing. This is what it's all about. And um, we were so encouraged. And then maybe a week or so later, we messaged her again to see how she was getting on. And she said, oh, you know what? My, my injury actually ended up getting worse and I had to stop the walk and I had to pull out and go home. And we were just like, what? Like, what's that about? You know, we'd, we were so encouraged by this lady who had seen, you know, this healing in her knee and was able to continue and had this hope in her heart again to continue. And I think that's part of what it is like living in the now and the not yet. Right, that's what it looks like is like, oh, we're seeing evidence of God really doing something in someone's life. And then we see something that doesn't gel with that and feels like, oh God, why wasn't it a full healing? Why wasn't this thing fully resolved? But what really stuck with us from that experience was the hope that was put in her heart in that moment. And I, I hope that the hope is something that will continue to carry on with her through her experiences and as she was going home to kind of process that situation with her family. And this is really what we sign up for as followers of Jesus, is living in that tension between the now and the not yet. And we see signs and indicators of God, yeah, breaking in and making all things new. But sometimes we're left not quite understanding why something has happened the way it has. So how do we navigate that strange tension, that, that kind of journeying through the, the now and the not yet? And I think the way is by watching and waiting which is what Advent is for. So the Advent for which we long is not the first, just the first coming, the nativity that we're approaching, but the second coming where Christ will make all things new fully and will take away all tears and suffering and pain. In Romans eight, verse 22 and onwards, it says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So in a very deep sense, the entire Christian life in this world is lived in Advent is lived in this between the first and the second coming, between the now and the not yet. And Advent is about the promise that God will come again. And so Advent is about hope. It begins in the darkness, but, but it ends in hope. And Advent is about this cosmic hope, right? Like Jesus is coming in glory. He's going to make all things new. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And you know, as Isaiah writes in 9 verses 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. But Advent is also about a personal lived hope. While we're in this time of watching and waiting in our own lives, God is moving and making all things new in our present reality. And um, One more Camino story is a common catchphrase that you'd hear a lot on the walk, was the Camino will provide. And a lot of the people that we met would probably, they would self-describe as like, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, like, or wouldn't come from a kind of church background or anything like that, but felt, um, you know, some sense of wanting to discover something deeper in their life. And so often this phrase would be thrown about, the Camino will provide, and it would be anything about like, oh, blister care, when I got a blister and someone came along the path and gave me a a compete or a Band-Aid or whatever. And then it would be about like really intense things that people are wanting to experience from the Camino like the Camino will provide and for us you know as people of faith it had a deeper level where we knew that it wasn't just the Camino like mystically providing it was the Lord providing for us as we went on this journey and I found that that experience put me in such a state of expectation and even just hearing that phrase it would put you in a state of expectation I wonder what's going to come about today i wonder how god's going to provide and one of the like trivial but at the moment was in that time it was like very um big for me was one morning i'd been saying oh my gosh i can't wait when we finish camino to just have a really good bowl of muesli and yogurt and fruit because it was not on the like the menu of the breakfast (laughs) offerings that we were experiencing and i was just really missing a good bowl of like granola and so later on that day we stopped at this tiny little village and there were a couple of restaurants open and we went to this little cafe run by a young couple and on the menu, muesli. I was like, oh, "This muesli. Please order me a bowl of stat. And so I ordered it and it was like the best fresh, like crunchy granola, amazing yogurt, like a whole mango, all this stuff. It was like, oh, the Camino provides. Like, look at this. <laughs> and so even in those little things, it was this sense of expectation. And I found that on that Camino, when we didn't even know sometimes where we'd be sleeping that night, it was so much easier to... Be expectant and hopeful about how God would be providing for all of our needs. I think sometimes, you know, coming back to Sydney, um, <clears throat> sorry, got a frog in my throat. Um, coming back to Sydney, you get a sense of like, oh, you need to have a plan, you need to know where the next thing's coming from. And I think it can sometimes rob us of that hopeful expectation that God has for us, that God will provide for all our needs. Yes, there's a lot of darkness around us. There are things that don't go well, but God is with us. He's working for our good. And it's not a matter of like waiting for the other shoe to drop or like, oh, what's gonna go wrong next? No, look for where God is working for our good always. And that is the Advent mes- message that in this world of yeah, darkness and distress, we look to the one true light, Christ Jesus. And so may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Bless your name. You've been listening to the Center Point Vineyard podcast. To connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or by visiting our website, www.centerpointvineyard.org. The theme song for this podcast is Highest Praise by Kieran Delahal.